0: When the 2022 baseball season got underway following a lockout that we feared might cost us the entire year, we were hopeful that the Reds could be around 500 and compete for an expanded wildcard playoff spot. What happened next was the epitome of peaks and valleys. We look back on the first half of the 2022 baseball season next on Locked on Reds. Let's go.
1: You are locked on Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction to this team into information for you. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks as always for making us your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms. On today's podcast, we are going to begin to break down the 2022 season for the Cincinnati Reds. I think we've had enough time to sleep on it, enough time to digest everything that happened, and we're going to wrap it up here in a nice little bow over the next couple of days. And we got to start off with a horrible start that the Cincinnati Reds had, Steve, because... It was a historic start, a start that many thought could rival the worst start in MLB history but it will go down as the second worst start in MLB history and it all started with a couple of
0: words. Well before we get to those words though let's 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 frame this up and it actually became a, a nice bookend because they're the second worst start and they ended up with the second worst. Win-loss. So it kind of fits. But remember, when the season got underway, this team opened the season with an over-under at 73.5. And and you and I both took the over. We both confidently put put money down that this team was going to be better than that. So they go to Atlanta to start the season. Weird start to the season because it started a little bit late because of the lockout. So the Reds started on the road, which which I thought bode well because the last time the Reds started on the road, they went wire to wire and won a world series. So this is where we start. We head down to Atlanta against the defending world champion, Atlanta Braves. And that series was not bad. They go two and two. They split mm-hmm. that series. We also saw the debut of Hunter green during that series. And we were all just electrified. Hunter comes out, has a great start. The Reds split with the world champs. Hopes were elevated. Momentum, then we came back baby. home. That's right. Then we came back home, and in a matter of a few minutes on Cincinnati Sports Talk Radio, Phil Castellini blew up the whole darn thing.
1: Blew it up. Absolutely destroyed anything, any sort of momentum that the Reds came into the two games against the Cleveland Guardians to open up their season uh, at home with. And uh, <clears throat> he said those words that I don't think we will ever forget.
0: And we will not forever. We will uh, (laughs) associate ineptitude with the phrase, where you going to go?
1: Where you going to go? Then he doubled down whenever Brandon Saho gave him the chance to, uh, you know, walk that uh, comment back and he just continued to press on and, and talk about, you know, where, who would even buy this team and blah, 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 blah. It was terrible, awful, And what followed was every Reds fan nightmare because they absolutely, they went from two and two to three
0: and 22. They went one and 20. And before we dig into the rest of their performance, let's just take a little sidebar. I know you heard my interview with Mo over the last couple days. And one of the things he said, Jeff, was that he thinks because of those comments, nobody wants to hear from son of Bob, Phil Castellini. Uh, we can call that SOB for short if you weren't looking for a nice abbreviation. Son Son of Bob. He thinks nobody wants to hear from Bob or Phil. And I wonder, Jeff, I, I posed this question to you and I probably should have asked Mo this as well. But do you think that Phil should go to Reds in December a- and take his medicine? It's going to be bad. Yeah. It'll be very, very unpleasant. But to date, the fans really have not had an opportunity to give him his medicine to really give it to him for the just ignorant comments that he made way back on opening day the alienation of the fan base they have never had a shot at expressing themselves and i know he's appeared at a couple season ticket holder events and he's been he's been very sheltered and kept very far away since all this happened should he go to reds fest should he let everyone just let him have it and vent a little bit of that frustration uh, what do you think
1: i think he should I don't think he will, but I think he should. He should show up. He should get on stage. He should let the booze roar, and he should be like, you know what? I deserve that. I deserve to be booed. I should not have said what I said. I shouldn't even thought what I said, and I am going to have the hardest time ever and probably never repair my reputation to you, but I'm going to try. And I don't think that he has the personality to come out and say those things, but that's what he should do because Reds fans everywhere have such a low opinion of him now that and Mo even kind of alluded to this in your guys' chat that they can't ever be uh, repaired, you know, the the view that Reds fans have of him. But the way that you start that is you take your medicine at Reds Fest.
0: See, I think I agree with you. And uh, uh, hopefully it plays out some way like that. Uh, I agree with you, though. I don't think you will, but I definitely think you should.
1: Yeah. And the reason for it is the reds followed up his wonderful statement. Like I mentioned, going one and 20 to arrive at the second worst start ever at three and 22, uh, let's, let's break it down a little bit. We're not going to go too in depth when it comes to the struggles here, but we always talk about different things like, oh, Hey, the lineup is collectively struggling or the pitching is collectively struggling. Well, everything struggled. They couldn't even catch balls back then. They couldn't throw balls. They couldn't catch them. They couldn't hit them. They couldn't do anything. Couldn't run the bases. Everything was terrible. And it all started with the fact that they averaged three runs a game during this time span while average allowing over six and a half runs a game.
0: Yeah, that's not going to get it done. If you're giving up a double what you're scoring, you're going to get a lot of losses. And that's exactly what happened. Yep. I mean, I, I don't know that I recall a time where all facets of the game failed at the same time, like it did for the Reds during so many that times in a row. Start. Yeah. And, oh. and we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, in our offseason episodes some of the impacts of things that were going on around the team uh, mm. at that time and leading into that time but you know recall that Sonny Gray was gone that Jesse Winker was gone that Eugenio Suarez was gone a team that we thought was going to be a 500 team very quickly was at the bottom under the beginning phases of being dismantled so <laughs> yeah. uh, there's there's a lot to talk about as far as that goes that we're going to get to in future episodes, Jeff. But I think for me, the big thing was we came into the season really believing that the pitching staff was going to be uh, the crown jewel of this team. And we didn't get Luis Castillo to start the season. Uh, Tyler Malley found himself thrust into being uh, the ace of the staff, the opening day starter, the home opener starter. And while he didn't perform horribly, uh, you know, you, you, you named it right there. An, an average ERA of 6.86 allowing an averaging almost five walks a game. The free the passes, the entire pitching staff, just the, absolutely the walks did. will haunt. And they did. Yeah,
1: yeah they absolutely haunted and, and they gave up quite a few home runs during that span as well. They didn't hit very many at all. In fact, if you dig into the numbers, they collectively hit two Oh three as a team, and they slugged 318. That's not their Ooh. on base percentage, which isn't Ooh. good anyway, even if it's not on base percentage, but they slugged 318. Like Alejo Lopez it. slugs better than that.
0: I remember it being bad, but I don't remember Ooh. it that it was that bad.
1: That's really bad. I mean, it, it, the game started, and if the opposing team scored two runs, you're just like, oh, nope, <laughs> that's, that's it. it. Let's see what we got tomorrow. Uh, it was just absolutely everything was working against them during that 3 and 22 span. And, I mean, if it could go wrong, it did.
0: Well, that's, uh, that's definitely the case. But after that horrible, where are you going to go start, Jeff, the Reds did rebound in May, and they started to play some sharp baseball. We are going to dig into that rebound after I tell you how you can overhaul your closet and dress sharply with Ron. Uh, Roan is a dress shirt manufacturer that has made it uh, a whole lot easier to wear nice clothes, whether we're talking about a nice evening out or just regular everyday office wear, Roan is going to be the company responsible for upgrading your wardrobe because they have undertaken the radical reinvention of the dress shirt. Roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable, breathable and flexible shirt known to man. Here's why mobility is everything. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from your commute to work to your 18 holes on the golf course. Uh, you'll be looking good in a Roan shirt because they make looking good easy. It's time to feel confident with a wrinkle free shirt without the hassle with Roan's wrinkle release technology. Wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the shirt. It's that easy. All you have to do is put it on. No more ironing, no more trips to the dry cleaner. Uh, You'll just be able to pull it out of the closet and go. You're also going to smell pretty good. Let me tell you why, Jeff. This part's for you. With Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, you'll be able to be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Rona is 100% machine washable. Like I said, you are going to be able to ditch the dry cleaner. You're not going to need it starched. You're not going to need it pressed. You're going to be able to keep it clean right there at home in your washing machine. The commuter shirt can get you through any workday and straight into the night. Whatever is going to come next, we got some other products for that, too. We'll advertise later in the week. Head to Roan.com right now. You can go to Roan, R-H-O-N-E dot com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on to save 20% off of your entire order. That's right. 20% off of everything you buy at Roan.com slash locked on. Again, that's Roan, R-H-O-N-E Dot com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on to save 20% off of your next order. It's time to find your corner offer corner office comfort at Roan upgrade your closet with Roan today. Use the promo code locked on and save 20% at Roan.com slash locked on coming up tomorrow. We are going to look at kind of what happened to this team at the trade deadline. And what really happened as a result of the dismantling. But we haven't reached that point yet because after their horrible start, Jeff, after that terrible, terrible, terrible three and 22 start, uh, they kind of started to figure it out. They kind of got together and there was a rebound in May.
1: Yeah. Everything that we had hoped for, everything that we had thought whenever we took the over of 73 and a half happened. They they were pitching well. They were hitting well. I mean, they cut their team ERA, Steve, by over a run. I mentioned during the three and 22 start, it was 6.68. Just during the month of May, their ERA was five. That's a huge, and I know that five is not a good number. That's not a good number to have as a team, but when you go from 6.68, five looks like Cy Young caliber.
0: Well, and, you know, there's a lot of factors in there. I mean, let's remember, we had multiple rookie starting pitchers in the starting rotation. Uh, You had Alexis Diaz as a rookie, the last man in the bullpen, beginning to try and find his way. So it it kind of is a natural progression, if you look at it through that lens, that the ERA started high as the pitchers started to try and figure things out and learn to face major league hitters. And they did start to figure it out. And then there were surprises like, Connor Overton and Graham Ashcraft that came along to also help bring that number down.
1: Yeah, they led the starting pitching staff. I know that, you know, you had six starts from Tyler Malley and five starts from Luis Castillo, but performance wise in their five combined starts, Connor Overton and Graham Ashcraft were phenomenal. They pitched a total of 30 innings together and they only allowed six earned runs. I mean, phenomenal, efficient pitching from both those guys. That's really where we, you know, kind of came up with the idea that, you know, Connor Overton, this guy might be something. This guy might be the kind of guy that we could see be a part of this pitching staff in the future. And then you go to the hitting side of things and you look and they say, hey, they double or almost doubled. I I can't do math. They had 10 more (laughs) home runs in the month of May than they did in April. They went from 14 to 24 and that in and of itself explains why the offense was better capable of helping them win games.
0: Yeah, a big part of that, Jeff, was just the emergence of the Tylers. Both Tyler Stevenson yeah. and Tyler Naquin really got it together in that time period. Tyler Stevenson hit 304 and 85 at at-bats in May, and Tyler Naquin slugged 494 in 79 at at-bats. Those two guys were really driving the offense at that point in time, uh, and Tyler Stevenson was really – Establishing himself as being a game-changing presence when he was in the lineup. Also, do you remember asking this question of Is Albert Almora something?
1: Now he didn't even finish the team on the roster, so or finish this season on the roster. So that tells you what that question ended up being. But during the month of May, this is where that question came from because he had fifty at bats, and in those fifty at bats, he hit three forty, and we were like, Albert Almora, really? Or, or well, maybe we got something here maybe the maybe we're talking about a little bit of depth but you know i think he hit like something like 050 in the month of june so that's where that went to but overall just a surprise from him and you mentioned alexis diaz talking about surprises he came from the last guy on the bullpen the last guy on the roster, to in the month of May, he just began to build that legend. He had 13 appearances, which was the most on the team, and that's even more so than Tony Santion, who you might remember him. He actually pitched this year, and back then he was getting save opportunities in the month of May. And Alexis Diaz had 13 appearances, and he had the third lowest ERA on the team during the month of 1.2+. plus including all of the starting pitching. I mentioned how good Connor Overton and Graham Ashcraft were. If you put them together, they didn't even have near as many strikeouts as Alexis Diaz had by himself in half as many innings. He had 21 strikeouts in 15 innings. You love to see it. This was back when he was more fastball than slider, but that fastball was just baffling people in the month of
0: May. Yeah. And that's the time period where we were all looking at Diaz going. I think there's something here. Yeah. I mean, this this might be the guy. And, and he had some struggles still. I mean, he wasn't right. perfect from that point on. He had some struggles still. He had some things to learn. But he definitely began to show us something. And he continued to build from there into, you know, who we have him labeled as now, which is the guaranteed back end of the bullpen stopper arm heading into 2023. And we kind of started to see that emerge right here in this time period through May.
1: Right. And May was such a very transitional weird month when you even just look at the 2022 season as a whole for the reds bullpen there was there were so many guys that filtered in and out because of injuries i mean you had your final appearances from lucas sims and i believe tony santian made a couple of appearances in june but this was pretty much his his only full month remaining in the year and so you're talking about guys that you didn't see at all the rest of the way this was still back when we weren't really sure if we hated hunter strickland or not that came pretty quickly short after and yeah we figured that out in a hurry yeah um (laughs) Not, 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 not too, not too short after that, but the bullpen that was in may was vastly different from the bullpen that was in September.
0: Yeah. You have to remember that at at this time in the season, the, the trades and the injuries had not yet taken their full toll. And the, the team that started the season was still fairly largely intact and i'm not gonna lie during this time period as we as we headed towards memorial day the end of may i really still believed that there was an outside shot that this team was going to continue to play 500 ball and be in the conversation for one of those expanded wildcard postseason berths. i really thought that was a reasonable uh goal to have that that was something that was obtainable and you know that hope didn't last much longer past this period in the season, but there was still some hopefulness that they were going to overcome all of that mess that occurred in April and all of the things that the ownership group had said and all of the trades and all of the stuff that had gone down and actually make a genius out of Nick crawl and have them compete for a postseason spot
1: like we didn't think that they would actually do, which of course they didn't end up doing. But yes, the month of May was full of hope. And it was also right smack dab in the middle of you trying to convince me that Jeff Hoffman was something whenever I knew that he (coughs) wasn't that great
0: car family, favorite Jeff (laughs) Hoffman. Did you ever get that Jersey Jeffrey? I don't recall ever seeing the picture of you wearing it around the ballpark. We need to rectify that. If his arbitration number gets picked up, but listen in May this team looked like it was going to be 500.
1: Yeah. It it looked like the team that was going to hit that over. And we were hopeful that we weren't going to lose that money. And you know, the reds continued to look semi-competent up until the trade deadline. Thanks to a couple of players that we're going to look at coming up next. Before we do that, though, we want to let you know, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can follow Steve at S Offenbaker with two Fs, and you can follow the show at On Reds. And thank you so much if you're watching here on YouTube. If this is your first time, make sure that you are subscribed and you click that bell to get notified in if you are here on YouTube uh drop down in the comments section and uh tell us a little bit about your thoughts on the first half of the season if you remember it because you probably get clouded of what happens next but we are still in the kind of happy time before the Reds tore it down. And look, I know we, we all know, we all understood that that was going to happen. We all knew that the Reds were going to make some trades because they had to, they couldn't hold on to these guys and, and just continue to pretend that everything was going to be okay. But before they dismantled everything, they still looked pretty good from June to the trade deadline. So June 1st to August 2nd, they were 25 and 30, Steve. This was still a team that did not look, like the
0: 100 loss team they became. That's true. And, you know, I think through most of June, we held on to hope Mm -hmm. that this team was still going to compete for a playoff spot. But through that same time period, the injuries really started to take their toll and it became clear that they were not going to have the reinforcements to overcome the injuries. So it was around this time that you and I started talking about, you know, there's a reckoning coming. they're gonna they're gonna tear it down it's going to happen Uh, and we started talking about who we wanted to see go and what we wanted to get in return but one of the things that happened through this time period was brandon drury continued to be the surprise of the season he hit 12 home runs in june and july and just absolutely shot his trade value through the roof Mm mm-hmm
1: yeah, I, and that's why I thought that he might get packaged with Tyler Malley and almost become the same value as if you traded Luis Castillo because he was so good during that time. From June first to August first, because he was traded on August second, he hit three oh four. And he had an OPS of nine eighteen for the for more than two months. Absolutely amazing sample size. And you mentioned those twelve home runs, Steve. That was as many as Jake Fraley had all season long. And as we said a couple of episodes ago, he uh, ended the season as as far as active Reds go, having the second most home runs on the team. So again, Brandon Drury led the team in home runs for the entire of the year, but even just for the month of June and July, he still would have been second best. And, and it
0: was this and it was this hitting stretch this stretch of play from Brandon drury that prompted me to name him my 2022 hitter of the year because yeah. he was he was a force during that time i mean he was he really was. a game changer in the lineup for the months of june and july and this is just another thing like again w- when we talk about uh
1: different moves that the reds can make brandon Drury was not a move he was not a guy that they went out and they said we're going to Brandon Drury he was a marginal just hey we added him here at the end of spring training let's see what happens Nick crawl has got to be opportunistic with the guys like this and I think that he can be and one other dude in the lineup that really looked good and and this this month for me was sort of bittersweet for Jonathan India because yes this was the Jonathan India we expected for the month of uh it was specifically the month of July I was like I best in May we're in July now uh for the month of July he led the team in homers with five and he hit 290 with an OPS of 892 now I know those are numbers 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 but that was the Jonathan India we expected and that was because he was healthy
0: oh yeah this is why I'm really high on what he might be able to do heading into 2023 because during this time stretch where he had it completely together and his legs were right. He wasn't trying to play on a busted wheel. He wasn't trying to play on a busted shin. He was the guy we thought he was going to be. He was, you know, he defended that, you know, National League Rookie of the Year title. He was out there doing things. No sophomore slump to be found. And then, you know, he got derailed again with uh, the hamstring continuing to kind of rear its head every once in a while. And then, of course, that hit by pitch in the Field of Dreams game that, you know, very easily could have ended his season i don't think people realize just how significant that injury really was and i know that the reds played it down a little bit and jonathan india himself played it down a little bit but if you've if you've heard him talk about it and you read between the lines that thing bothered him all the way through the end of the season
1: and we we even mentioned at the time we're just like shut him down Let, let's let's get him healthy for 2023 and to his credit he came back and he played admirably he didn't have the the power you could tell but he was still able to drop singles in there and looked okay to end the season it was one of those ends of the year that you, you almost equate it to like somebody who's running a marathon who just barely crosses the finish line but they finished and he finished the season give him credit for that couple of other guys that, you know, leading up to the trade deadline, Steve was, you know, I, I, I really thought that this was the stretch. Like I, we all knew what we knew about Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley, that they were the two best trade chips that the Reds had, but they really
0: solidified it during this time period. You know, a healthy Luis Castillo did exactly what you and I had talked about in the preseason, uh, where I had even said, if he was at around a 2.5 ERA and pitching healthy, that he was going to be in the conversation for Cy Young award and he got off to the rough start he was injured his opening was delayed but he really hit his stride here and would ultimately skyrocket his trade value as well because he had nine start nine starts during this time period Jeff ERA of 2.62 he struck out 62 guys in 58 innings allowed just five home runs in those nine games uh, he really turned it on during that time period uh, we also remember you know that start at Yankee Stadium where he was just the guy and that was really the Luis Castillo I had been counting on all season long and it's the Luis Castillo that uh, showed up in the playoffs for the Seattle Mariners as well he was uh, an absolute beast and you know I was really sad to see him go uh, following this period of starts where he was hitting on all cylinders yeah that
1: particular start I think was the icing on the on the cake really because teams knew what they knew whenever they were going in to trade for Luis Castillo but when they saw that they're like okay he's got it we're good we know what we're getting here, and it's exactly what we've been hoping to get when we trade for Luis Castillo. And and also, too, credit to the Mariners for almost immediately signing him to an extension. He's staying in Seattle for the kind of deal that I knew that he would get and the kind of deal that I knew that the Reds would balk at. So that that's why they had to trade him. That's why he's not here. And on the other side of that coin, Tyler Malley ERA, he had 56 strikeouts in 50 innings during this time period. It's kind of funny to know, too, because I know that he, it's not funny that he had injury issues, but I know that whenever he went over to Minnesota, he kind of had some injury issues. But if you split up his season, his time pitched for the Reds, he had a 4.41 ERA. His time pitched for the Twins, he had a 4.4 ERA. I think that Tyler Malley is the kind of guy that we have always said that he could be. He's, he's got a really high ceiling, but his floor is also a little bit lower, too. That makes you it gives you pause before you say, oh, this guy can be an ace.
0: Oh, well, absolutely. And, you know, Tyler Malley's biggest struggle was always consistency, right? We always right. talked about home Malley versus road Malley. We always talked about if he could find a way to put it together consistently, it would really elevate him to being a true you know, number two starter in this league and maybe even drifting towards number one starter. Uh, He started to do that this season. And I really hope moving forward that he, he has success because I, you know, I want to see him have that success uh, for a whole season, both home and away and and really benefit whatever team he's playing for. But, you know, I wasn't, I think I was surprised at the return the reds got for him. And we'll get into that when we really dig into the trade deadline on our next episode. But, you know that one-two punch through this little stretch of the season. Then with guys like Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo coming behind it, that was a great rotation, and that yeah. was that was the rotation we thought go heading into the season. You know that made us kind of drool a little bit because it had been a long time since the Red had had Reds had had that great of a a starting rotation one through the bottom and you know it really started to find its its stride right here through this period of june and july the talent was evident
1: absolutely and you know things were nice before the trade deadline it's just you know we all knew what was coming next and for what's coming next make sure you check out tomorrow's episode as we will cover what the reds did at the trade deadline and The collapse that fell into a hundred losses after that trade deadline. But thank you so much for making locked on reds. Your first listen today. Now for your second, listen, go check out the locked on MLB podcast as MLB expert, Paul Francis Sullivan brings us humor, his passion and his unique perspective on every single team in the major league baseball postseason. That's locked on MLB. It's just like locked on reds free and available on all platforms. Steve, uh, we are reminiscing. About a wonderful season that we're happy to have had in the rearview mirror. And we got some tough times ahead as we cover what happens after the trade deadline on tomorrow's pod. But, hey, it's the off season, and we're looking forward. What's that mean for you and me?
0: That means whether it's good, whether it's bad, or whether it's ugly. If it's Reds related, we've got you covered because we're locked on Reds every single day.